split this track again, y'all. Welcome in to another edition of the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast. I am your host, TJ McBride. I am at TJ McBride NBA, and to my right, as always. What is going on, everyone? This is Anilo Piro covering the Denver Nuggets and the Colorado Rockies right here at Mile High Sports, in addition to our the rest of our fantastic crew, Jeff Morton, the King of Thornton, Dev Johnson, Brendan Vogt, and Matt Smith. Got all this stuff locked down for the Denver Nuggets. Uh, this is our podcast, DJ. Nuggets this underscore is, This is what we do. This is, this is it right so here. Like, I don't know, let me just we talk about stuff. Here's a disclaimer. I still can't feel my tongue at all. <laughs> so if I sound a little weird, I apologize. Like, uh, l- l- Let me at least paint a word picture for the listeners because he doesn't just not be able to feel his tongue. When he got to the game today, the left side of his face was unfunctional and he still managed to ask a question in the pregame scrum, the media scrum to Michael I Malone. To. And like, I'm so surprised Michael Malone didn't jump down your throat like, is something wrong? Yeah. Like, I, like what's wrong with your voice? Because like, it was such a struggle. What's going on with Trey Lyles? And it finally came out. And I was like, hey, he got the question out. And Michael Malone was thankfully just like, yeah, yeah I no know. big deal. I know. Jeff Morton told me, he's like, don't ask a question. And, you know, I'm like, Jeff, I'm right. I've been trying to write this piece for like two weeks on <laughs> Trey Lyles. They go on the road again. I need to ask the question today. So I asked it. Grinding through it, but I mean, like, <laughs> I was trying to eat dinner tonight, and it's like, I was trying to eat, like, mashed potatoes, so like, I got three cavities filled. So one on my top right, one on my top left, and one on the bottom. You need to stop eating so much candy and brush I your teeth, so, Anilo. It's so bad. It really is. But the doctor, t- or the dentist comes up to me today. He's like, so what are you doing tonight? I said, well, I'm going to the Nuggets game. He's like, does that involve talking? I say, oh, a little bit. He says, well, you're not going to be doing a lot of that tonight with all this. And here we are, you. podcasting. There it is. <laughs> moral of the story is grind, don't stop. The moral but, uh, of the story is don't listen to your dentist, apparently. That is not true. Please but, listen um, to your dentist. That absolutely. is not my fault if you go out there and start eating a bunch of stuff you shouldn't be. But a disclaimer, so if I sound a little off today, that is why, because I can't feel my tongue. And you'll also have me making fun of him as it comes along, because this is going to be fantastic. So there it is. Not, something that wasn't very fun tonight. Well, yes. The way this game ended, TJ, the Nuggets end up. Getting the L tonight, losing to the Minnesota Timberwolves 112 to 104 as they collapse in the fourth quarter. Where do you want to start with this one? Uh, you want to start with the good or the bad? Let's start with the good because this game was like 80% good and 20% bad. It just happened to be like the it 20%, was chaotic. The 20% bad happened to be at the end of quarters and ends of halves when it mattered most. I was talking to Matt Moore and he was like, this game isn't just drunk. This game is on a sedative. And I was like, yeah, this is the Xanax <laughs> game. This, this is literally what this feels like because nothing <laughs> made sedative. sense and everything was just completely out of control. Mm-hmm. It was just like these random moments of brilliance Absolutely. were like, oh, wow, this is a basketball game. Apparently Absolutely. it was it was it was chaotic if and it was fun if you like chaos. I guess it is the was, way I look man. at it. It was a good game and like here, here's actually where I want to start. Let's just talk about the future matchups between these two teams. <laughs> okay, I know okay. This is kind of I mean I've kind of chimed in on this over the past couple years. I know your uh, your co-host Sean Walsh has chimed in on this. The Nuggets versus the Timberwolves is, in my opinion, the next big rivalry in the NBA. Like between the Portland Trailblazers and the Minnesota Timberwolves, those are by and large the Nuggets' two biggest rivals. I think you give the edge a little bit to Minnesota just because of how similar that their paths have been in towards of trying to build a contender. Yeah, because you look at Carl Anthony Towns getting drafted the same year that Nikola Jokic did. Yep. You also look at Andrew Wiggins getting drafted the same year that Gary yeah, Harris. Harris did. You even go further than that; they get Jimmy Butler the year that the Nuggets get Paul Millsap. Yep. Like the similarities. Ooh, the Nuggets were very, very much in the mix for. Yes, that's very true. There's a lot of speculation and confusion about what actually happened, but the Nuggets were very much so in play for Jimmy Butler that night. But uh, for what it's worth. Yeah, that, that that's completely besides the fact. But because of all of these things that kind of line these two teams up together, all of these parallels, they are really 
looked at as two teams that when they match up, it's just fun to watch because you Absolutely. look at two of the best young big men. You look at two of the best uh, young wing players in the league. You see these veteran um, acquisitions that they have. Absolutely. And I feel like when, when they ended up trading for Jimmy Butler, I feel like the hype train kind of rolled with them a little too much. I mean, I still look at these two teams on paper, and I still think they line up very evenly. Yeah. For the most part. I mean, listen. A lot of NBA fans get wound up around the sexy names and the sexy players of the league. I mean, and that's what, as soon as Minnesota made this move, everyone was like top four. I mean, this was a power move and whatnot. Oh, I thought that was crazy. Exactly. It was ridiculous. People need to kind of look outside the box. The Nuggets aren't necessarily a sexy or a savvy team to, uh, you know, look at just from a box score perspective and names, but they're in and around the same skill level. So obviously they lose tonight 112-104 in a game that, quite frankly, they should have won. Um, the defense collapses, but listen, DJ, they're 1-5 now in the Northwest Conference, 7-10 overall playing against teams in the Western Conference. What gives? I have no idea. They just, they just, I mean, uh, Portland. I mean, it's, it's just continually them. happening. And this is the thing. So right now, them. right now, the Portland Trailblazers, the Oklahoma City Thunder, and the Denver Nuggets are tied for fi- for fifth, sixth, and seventh in the Western Conference. The Nuggets pull up the seventh because they are one in five in their division. Why did the Nuggets miss the playoffs last year? Because they did not win the, these tiebreaker type games they against the Portland Trailblazers. So Oklahoma City is four and five in their division. Portland is only two and two in their division, but they're at least at five hundred. The Nuggets now find themselves in a, in a spot that if they continually keep losing this game. They are going to get to the end of the year and find themselves in a very bad situation. This is the one positive. All of these season series have not gotten to a point where they are concluded yet. Denver can still win these games and win these tiebreakers. It's not over. It's it's an uphill battle now, though. Yes, very much so. They're not setting themselves up for success. It's obviously going to be hard. Uh, A team like Portland, who, I mean, like, I think it goes more than just X's and O's when they play those teams. It just seems like it's a different Nuggets team that's on the court. It does. Like, it, that's really what it is, just different. They also keep More so with Portland as opposed to Minnesota. It's a weird opinion. situation because Portland is strange because of the Yusef Nurkic trade and the fact that they were so close last year. It seems like they just kind of have this bothersome trait that does, that drives Absolutely. the Nuggets crazy. But then again, you look back at the Utah loss to start the year. They blow a fourth quarter lead. They have 10 turnovers in that quarter and everything collapses. It's the beginning of the year. So it's not like we can really chalk all this up to the Nuggets are screwed in their division, but they desperately need to prove they can and beat teams in their division and that starts this next game with Portland but before we get there let's get back to talking about how this rivalry has kind of been forming because I go back to last year Nikola Jokic eats up Carl Carl Anthony Towns twice last year the first two games Carl Anthony Towns proceeds to eat Nikola Jokic alive the following two games Nikola Jokic and I think it was the third matchup they had he takes it at Carl Anthony Towns and looks to score on him every single time he gets a chance to and was awful doing so Mm When I, the reason I point this out is because when's the last time you've ever heard Nikola Jokic Never. explain it in that way? He wants to beat Carl Anthony Towns every mm-hmm. single time he can get there. I have no idea why. <laughs> the only player I can think of that he wants to beat this badly. Mm-hmm. Like, there's nobody else. Chris Stapps, he doesn't take at it like this. No. And he does value that matchup, but he doesn't go at him in the same way. There's something about these two teams where it's not that they don't like each other, but they desperately want to beat each other every time they're matched up. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, and I think it's just more so of a byproduct of, again, how they line up in terms of their players. Jokic and Carl Anthony Towns, both big, lengthy centers. You know, you've got Wiggins and some of these other guys, Gary Harris. So it's definitely an interesting kind of matchup, um, nonetheless. Less, but one that I'm like I, I circled this game on the schedule before the year started. You Me know, too. Th- th- these are the games I want to watch. I mean, look, they're gonna go play Golden State on Saturday. I mean, like, yeah, that's gonna be fun to watch. Yeah, but, on the second night of a back to back after Portland. Yeah, you don't watch that game, you know, from a competitive X's and O's standpoint. I mean, uh, games against Portland and Minnesota, you can really amplify things and look at them through the microscope, and it's way more fun and I think more telling about the this current state of these teams based off how they play one each other. 
It's, it's hard to argue so, that fact. It really is. But, but uh, yeah, certainly a rivalry kind of uh, moving on along now. But uh, listen, what's been arguably the biggest problem hmm. the Nuggets have had? Their turnovers. Turnovers. And I will be writing about tonight. turnovers again tonight. I am so sick of writing about turnovers. I got to be honest. Like, it's just so frustrating because the Nuggets have 21 turnovers tonight and they give up 21 points doing mm-hmm. so. The Nuggets are giving their opponents tw- at least, it's like a little bit over 20 points per game now off of turnovers. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. I mean, listen, and it's a product of a young team and it's a product of growing and learning how to play in crunch time situations. But uh, again, in a situation like tonight when you had such a big lead at so many different points during the game, the fact that the turnovers all piled on at once I think was more so a sense of uh, – it was a lack of maturity, I feel like. I don't even know if that's the case because I felt like they were consistent throughout the game. There were stretches where they weren't turning the ball over, but then again, you look at the box score and 10 of the lacking. turnovers were Nikola Jokic. Absolutely, and that's where exactly what I'm I mean, we were next. trying to start with the positives, but we're going to go to the negatives because I think it's time to talk about Nikola Jokic. Yeah, let's do that. He had 10 turnovers tonight. And th- this is the thing. I actually thought he played a pretty good game because he had 22 points, six rebounds, four assists, two blocks, six to 12 from the field, two of six from three. He was getting to the foul line, but for some reason, he had 10 turnovers and they were mostly self-inflicted. And there was a couple down the stretch where he was yeah. trying to make like across the court passes or like just, just he was at the top of the key trying to ditch it down low. And ew, God, they I have a ugly. hot take. Do it. These are going to be games that happen no matter what because of how Nikola Jokic plays, and you, and you do not want this to change the way he plays because the passes he makes are incredible. The way that he is able to set up his teammates is otherworldly. You don't see that type of passing ability, especially out of someone his size. So if he is a little bit off, if he is just the minute, little, just the slightest not comfortable, this can happen. He's Absolutely. had seven turnover games before. He's had six turnover games before. Tens a lot, yeah, but yeah. it's it, it's a big reason why they lost this game. But sometimes you kind of like with Will Barton, you live and die by his scoring, mm-hmm. whether it's good or bad. You just kind of you have to take the the good with the bad at it's that point. It's magnified times a hundred with Jokic because you truthfully yeah. live or you die with him. He is the root of your success and your failure. But ten turnovers is atrocious, no, and really a lot of them were self inflicted because he was trying to pass into windows that just didn't exist. Yeah, and I think I alluded to it a little bit in the periscope that we did following the game about to me and my personal perspective watching him. He just looked a little clunky tonight I mean he just it didn't look like he fully settled in he, he said after the game you know I think I was fine but I mean I couldn't help but it looked like he was jumpy a little bit he was a little slow footed at times as well on defense uh, outside of when he was up against Carl Anthony Towns when when Carl Anthony Towns had the ball in his hand Jokic was fighting but other than that I don't know it just seemed like he was rushing things a little bit too much he played like a 22 year old yeah and I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that he was sharing the floor with Mason Plumley yeah. after the after is that, the is that game the first time they started together this year, I think. They started last year together. Okay. But well, yeah. they talk so after the game, Nikola Jokic was asked if it was like what it was like playing with Mason Plum, and he was like, Oh, it's fine. Like, you know, we like playing together and play with anybody. Let's be real. The offense was not the yeah. same with them together. Yeah. They started out very well, but that was because of their defense. It was mm-hmm. not because they were scoring so Absolutely. well. And you I mean you look at the first quarter score, they ended up outscoring the Timberwolves twenty four to seventeen in that first quarter. Once the defense went away, they gave up three consecutive 30-point quarters mm-hmm. after that, and yeah. that's what doomed them. Well, I was going to say, look at, the, look at the quarters in which they gave up the most points. The fourth and the second, they bookend them in the sense of ending halves and ending the game. That's what happens when you have a perennial MVP candidate on the, yeah, on the other team. and he took over. He did. He did. Uh, let's stick with Nikola Jokic for a second, yeah. though, because I want to finish up with this. Nikola Jokic cannot proceed to force the issue like this. What makes him so special is that he allows the the best look to come to him. He's not forcing that issue in that way. I do think there's a balance there where he can eventually learn to assert his passing to create open lanes, passing guys into open lanes, which he can do in spurts. But tonight... 
he just wanted so badly to make something happen by mm. passing that he wasn't just overpassing turning the ball over he was blatantly passing up very open and looks that's where I was going to next you know a lot of the players kind of talked about it Michael Malone talked about it after the game you know we were passing up open looks and that's really what kind of grinded the gears of the Nuggets and it's a reason why I think we'll talk about this in a little bit why they were kind of missing Gary Harris uh, perennial started with this team but it seems like without that X factor and or closer they're like during the headlights tonight and you know we know Jokic at times has struggled with being assertive in terms of taking shots but like we've talked about you live and you die by Nikola Jokic he needs to understand that that his biggest strength and when this team is at his best is yes when he's passing at a high level but also when he's scoring at a high level absolutely um, let's move on past Nikola Jokic. Yeah. I don't want to keep piling on this ten turnovers thing. Like I can continue, like I can do the rest of the night. Who's the next guy you want to talk about that you thought struggled tonight? Let's stick on the guy who who's kind of been an X factor since Paul Millsap went down, and that's Will Barton. I agree. A guy that is a uh, he's averaging eight point seven points over his last four games played. Obviously, been dealing. What is it? A back injury that he's dealing with. So he looked like he rolled his ankle at some point in this game, and his ankle had been bothering him for a couple games. It seemed like he was hobbling in the fourth quarter. Still, he had a limp to him, and then on top of that, he had a lower back contusion as well well so it looks like will barton is playing through some pain because and, and you alluded to it as well a large reason well we obviously saw monte morris get called up because yes. already thin at point guard emmanuel moudier did sit out tonight's game the second straight game in a row that he has missed so barton is kind of being you know i don't know if he's actually being, being he's forced, being forced. But he, he is he, he is relied he, he upon. realizes the situation so he's grinding through it yes and that is why when he actually he almost subbed himself out i believe it was the first quarter or early in the second and he ended up being like actually no i need to stay in because he realized there's no other playmakers on this team that they can go to really and that it just it just hurt the Nuggets that he was not 100% tonight because the Nuggets essentially played a seven-man rotation tonight mm-hmm. Malik Beasley only played six minutes and outside of that the only other two bench players were Trey Lyles and Will Barton that saw any minutes tonight Will Barton was a negative 28 and an eight-point loss and that is just absolutely abysmal and his turnover his defense was horrible tonight his defense was rough because he couldn't move. Like yeah. you, could, you could see it just watching him. He was not the same player, not yeah. anywhere near it. He actually had zero turnovers tonight. Yeah. And he I had a big whopping zero. And this is the thing. He added five rebounds, four assists, a steal, and two blocks to the mix. Mm-hmm. But when you're three of nine from the field, oh of three from three, and playing as bad of defense as he was, that was a death sentence for that bench unit, unfortunately, even yes, though he was, was playing with starters. And that, I don't want to put this as Will Barton is a bad player. Will Barton was playing in a bad situation mm-hmm. where he was relied upon to score, to play make, to rebound, to play defense while hurt with nobody else on the bench and playing big minutes. Why did... Like, and I, I don't mean to take a hard right turn here, but I'm just looking at the, at the final box score. Why did Richard Jefferson not play in this game? There was a lot of questions like that. I mean, you start your two centers and Mason Plumlee and Nikola Jokic and Kenneth Fareed does not see the court whatsoever. Yeah. I don't and know if we'll, it's the we'll wrong decision, but at the same time, you're right. Like, you saw no Richard Jefferson. We're talking about, you know, the Nuggets kind of falter by not having a... Uh, there was a noticeable lack of leadership tonight. But we, Richard Jefferson is not the no, same no, player. Absolutely. He's not going to help you but, in terms of on-court productivity. He can calm things. How, yeah, exactly. That's what I'm talking about. And it seems like at times the Nuggets got a little too fast. I mean, I, there was a couple times I saw Tory Craig and speak. Uh, I saw Tory Craig and Jamal Murray push. The, they would get the inbound pass and they would push it up solely themselves, try to drive in for a contested layup. Uh, it just seemed like things were a little bit rushed. And I don't know. I, I, I think Richard Jefferson could have maybe provided a little bit, a little bit of balance in this one. On top of that, Wancho Hernan Gomez was active tonight. Yeah, he well, was. I mean, Wancho's a, a, just another circumstance. I think all of his. I life. agree, and we don't know what that circumstance is. But the fact that he was active tonight means that he could have played. Yeah. And so I found it very surprising that Malik only got six minutes. Wancho did not see the floor, and they only played the seven players outside of that. Yeah, the rotations were definitely a little interesting tonight. I mean, I know there was a lot of people on Twitter kind of 
you know, belligerently badgering at Wilson Chandler's performance. Belligerently is the correct way to phrase yeah. that, by the way. Um, you know, Wilson's Wilson. I mean, we talked about this as well. He's going to be consistent. He's not going to be, you know, he's an even keel player. He's not going to be great. He's not going to be bad. So it, it's interesting nonetheless. Obviously, Mason Plumlee with a great game. Your guy, Tory Craig, does some nice things as well. But uh, Will Barton, a guy, let's go back to that real quick. A guy <laughs> that has been, you know, in, in some instances he's played hero, and in some instances, you know, he hasn't been very good. And I'm, I have so many fans that are always in my mentions on Twitter about how Will Barton is like the reason the Nuggets are losing all these games. Oh, it is just not true. He's also the reason he's won, the Nuggets have won about five games. And that's what people late. need to understand is that when you have a volume score, you have to deal with that. That is part of what makes them good. And a guy who can get buckets. Look at Jamal Crawford tonight. That has been said about Jamal Crawford so many times. Yeah. And, I was gonna say, you talked about the Nuggets kind of winning and dying by Nikola Jokic and you know this is what's going to happen this is also a product of the way the Nuggets roster is assembled you have just so many different variants of players that fit different kinds of schemes and play styles and all this kind of stuff that eventually you know it's not all going to fire on all cylinders and work perfectly I think this is a perfect testament that you saw tonight here I want to I'm going to play a little game here I'm going to name a player you tell me if they're good at penetrating into the paint and collapsing the defense all right Wilson Chandler Yes. Really? Not I this think, year, in my opinion. Really? I think he he's, is, so he, he's been awful scoring at the rim this year. He can get there, but he's not actually yeah. scoring. He's not going to take you off the bounce on the three-point line and do it anymore. The that's same true, way that's he could. true. Mason Plumlee, yes. not... He's been so good around the rim this year. Around the rim, sure, but getting into the paint and collapsing the oh, defense. Oh, no, dribble okay, no, penetration. Oh, 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 no, then that. No, no, no Dribble no. penetration. So in no terms Wilson of finishing, Ch- though, he's been fantastic. Yes, but no Wilson Chandler. Mason Plumlee is not going to be a, dri- a dribble penetration guy. Nikola Jokic can only if he's mm. hitting shots. Jamal Murray is one of the few guys it, that can. Jamal Murray is, but we've also seen, I, there was a couple instances tonight of him rushing it a little too much. He has open looks that he can get into the corner when he draws that kind of a crowd when he drives in. So I think, you know, by product and by design, he, he's, it goes in. Uh, he, it's he's this bad decision. Making because he's collapsing the defense like he should, but he's not passing out Absolutely. of it. So but Tory Craig, not one of those no. guys. Trey Lyles, not one no. of those guys. Malik, maybe in the future, but not consistently. No. The only guy other than Jamal Murray that played tonight that can get into the paint and collapse the defense is Will Barton. Yeah. You are you need that kind of ability because the Nuggets offense relies on ball movement. Yes, so I don't care how you do it. You need somebody to create a mismatch that collapses the defense in the paint. Once you do that, you swing the ball to the corner and you continue to swing the ball around the perimeter because the defense has to rotate. And one of your guys, because of the defense collapsing on you, is going to be open. If you don't have someone collapsing the defense, you're passing for no reason. And that is what happened tonight for Denver, in my opinion. They were passing the ball without any kind of goal in mind. Yeah, there was no purpose, no intention. It was more so passing the ball just to see if anything would open up. And then we'll dump it off and okay. And that's the thing is that you see the ball jump 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 but there's no defensive rotations happening everybody is still on their man watching the ball jump if you're not getting the defense out of position your passing is not doing anything except passing the buck to the next guy absolutely and don't get me wrong if you have isolation scores like freaking jamal murray who can go 10 for 17 5 of 6 from 3 and put up 30 points it works in some ways that does happen Mm -hmm. but for the nuggets offense the way that it is built it is predicated on the fact that you can create a mismatch by getting the defense scrambling and you find an open player and you use all of the playmaking you have on the floor to be able to find that open player if you're not collapsing the defense it doesn't matter yeah and listen it's something the nuggets are gonna have to figure out a way to work through and we've talked about their late game execution the nuggets out uh where i totally lost this oh here we go nuggets actually end up getting outscored 32 to 20 in the final fourth quarter period so uh, listen as the pressure ramps up specifically in this game the nuggets kind of turn down 
Yeah, the Nuggets the Nuggets need Will Barton. That's my whole point of this. The Nuggets desperately need what yeah. he brings to the table. He may lose a couple games because he has been inefficient, but it is absolutely imperative that he is a guy who has the ball in his hands and is making things happen if you don't have another guy being able to pull that off. Mm-hmm. Because Jamal Murray could do it in spurts, but it's not a consistent thing. Emmanuel Moutier has been a turnover prone, so that's why you have relied upon Will Barton so heavily this year so yeah. far. So Nuggets turned the ball over 21 times for 21 points that Minnesota ended up scoring. Um, listen, M- Malone kind of alluded to it before the game as well, that if the Nuggets wanted to win this game, they were going to have to A, protect the basketball, and B, protect the paint. But they did not do any of those tonight. Carl Anthony Towns had his way. I believe they combined for like 54 points or something like that total in terms of points in the paint. I mean, they just manhandled them. Yeah, it was an obscene amount of points in the paint. The Let me see if I can find this here. The, ten- the Timberwolves had 52 points in the paint on 26 of 42 shooting. They had 42 shots in the paint alone. Denver had 40, 20 of 35. But... You can't allow teams to feast in your paint because then the three-point line opens up. And even though the Timberwolves did not make that many of them, they had a lot of open looks that just didn't fall that could have been significantly worse off for the Nuggets. Absolutely. Here, here, one talking point that I want to get to, a guy that I've been high on that didn't necessarily, that had a really strong first quarter but kind of fell off was Trey Lyles. But I don't want to talk about necessarily his performance tonight, but a guy that did not play tonight because Trey Lyles was a product of Trey Lyles playing. So the Nuggets start Nikola Jokic and Mason Plumlee, two centers. Lyles is the primary power forward off the bench. Kenneth Reed is a guy that was the primary power forward off the bench to start the year. Kenneth Reed did not see the court tonight, TJ. Nope, he did not. When we've talked about this, we've kind of foreshadowed this in previous podcasts. That I personally believe that as Trey Lyles continues to improve, you're going to see less and less of Kenneth Reed. Quite frankly, and I, I mean, I honestly did say it. You know, as soon as Malone was given there. an opportunity to not play for Reed, he's going to do it. But I didn't expect for it to be this abrupt. I mean, let's think of it this way. You have both of your centers, one who's hobbled in the starting lineup together. No Paul Millsap, so you don't have a guy you can fall back on as a small ball five. The only guy on the bench that, that can conceivably play that spot is Kenneth Fareed, and he still did not play mm-hmm. tonight. That it's speaks to volumes something. to me. It means that he's out of this rotation. Yeah. Like this, If there was any time to start him or to play him in any way, it would have been tonight. Absolutely. So the way I look at this now, Kenneth Fareed is done right now in Denver as of this moment. Yeah, uh, it could it point. could change. Absolutely, it could change. I mean, you could see Trey Lyles go down, you absolutely rely on him, and he plays great, and everything's different tomorrow. But again, it's we not, don't know. It's more but, so a product of how Trey Lyles got his times, product of injuries, and less so earning it. And, and I like the way that Malone answered your question today. He was like, "This is he's been doing this. Like, this is not yeah. something for Trey Lyles that is different or new or exciting. This is exactly who he has seen playing yeah. in this fashion. So Lyles will continue to grow. He's only 22 years old. I'm he's so young. I got this piece dropping tomorrow at Mile High, or on MileHighSports.com. Really looking forward to this one. Kind of just a follow-up piece to the two articles I wrote earlier in the year, just kind of highlighting his importance and his value to this team when they did kind of trade for him. So interesting nonetheless, but um, what else we got from this game? I think I want to talk about Trey Lyles one other thing yeah, real quick. And he was bad tonight. I don't want to talk about it tonight. He was a negative 18 yeah, in 24 minutes. But he had like 12 points in the first quarter, too. Yes, and he fell off game. a cliff after that. After I sent you that text message. Yeah, you sent Trey <laughs> Lyles the group text, and it was over at that point. But <laughs> I was talking to a couple executives with you, actually, before the game, just about all kinds of random basketball stuff, executives on the Nuggets, mm-hmm. and I asked him about Trey Lyles' defense. And he was like, the dude's just solid. And Trey Lyles was not talked about as a solid defender up until yeah. this year. And it's true. He's playing fundamentally sound yes. defense. And I think that that's going to go a long way to eventually him being more a part of this rotation for the long term than just the short term. This could be a guy that gets significant minutes in the next couple of years. It would not yeah, surprise listen. me. 
<laughs> it's funny. The executive I talked to, the first thing they said when I asked about Trey Lyles' defense, they were like, huh, draft night looks a little different now, huh? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> abs- oh, my gosh. That's a story for another day. And what, another thing that I want to kind of highlight is uh, Malone kind of said is his sneaky athleticism that Lyles kind of brings to the oh, team. Oh, absolutely. We've seen him elevate. We've seen him throw down some hard stuff. Dude, he has posterized the hell out of a couple yeah, guys. he's been year. doing a good job at that. So all around right now, things are looking good on that front for Trey Lyles. Listen, this is a tw- he's tw- I think he just turned 22 a few days ago. Nietzsche and- has a little bit longer than that, but, but he's 22. So recently, he was 21 when they traded for him. Yes. So nonetheless, I mean, if you look at where he fits in terms of the perspective of the other guys, he fits the mold seamlessly. And in my article, I kind of highlight in terms of his size, his length, and his ability, he's about as close to a plug-in-and-play player as there is for the Never Nuggets Well, because right he can play three and four, and even if he gets a little bit stronger, he can play a little bit of small ball five yeah, in the exactly. future. So I think he's a perfect fit for this team, and it's up to them to continue to develop him. And I actually found that quote that we've alluded to like six times on the podcast that Gary Harris has talked about, you know, along the lines of, you know, he can ball. You know, Trey Lyles is a guy that can ball. And, and I was listening to the quote, and Gary said, you know, I've seen him put in the work. I've seen him grind for it, and I'm happy that everyone else is seeing it now. And that's more so kind of a testament, I think, to Gary Harris himself, a guy that was in a similar position of not getting playing time and kind of working for it. So for Gary Harris to, you know, give Lyles the same kind of praise that he got when he was struggling, I think it's certainly a positive thing. It is a positive thing. It really is. It, it shows and- where Lyles' head is at. And I, because he could have easily just been, you know, after he wasn't playing early on when he got treated here, this easily could have been Utah 2.0 for him. Easily. He could have moped and groaned and been like, here we go again. But credit to him, he stayed ready. He stayed lying in the wait for his opportunity, and he's taken advantage of it. I believe he's played now 16 straight games, having 15 minutes plus played. He's one of only four bench players to score 20 plus and four rebounds or something like that. I looked up today as well. So he, Trey Lyles has been off the charts good for this team right now. He really has, and I think what makes him so special to this Nuggets team and the reason that he can be such a big deal down the line is because when you go back to last year, the best lineups the Nuggets were able to play with was usually with Wilson Chandler and Danilo Gallinari flanking Nikola Jokic. You have multiple combo forwards, lots of spacing, lots of quickness, and you play kind of small, but you still have size, even yeah. though you're versatile. Trey Lyles fits that mold perfectly, Absolutely. and obviously Paul Millsap is the starting power forward of this team. There is no debating yeah, that. Oh, yeah. If you do, you were just a fool, in my opinion, because he is the starting yeah. power forward of this team. I I really think that when you start looking in the line in a couple years, let's just say the Nuggets end up wanting to make a big move and they decline the team option on Paul Millsap's contract, mm-hmm. it would not surprise me to see Trey Lyles be around here as the future power forward of this team all. potentially. And, and he's shown signs. He's had success. He's shown signs. Well, he, it's going to take some time still. And he's, but yes. shown, he's had success so far in this recent stretch as both a starter and coming off the bench. Um, listen, throughout the first 15 games the Nuggets played this year, Lyles had seven do not play or did not play coaches' decisions. Yes. So he was not in this rotation at all. Uh, he's right now, as of now, one of four reserves to post 20 plus points and four plus rebounds in back to back games this season. That's fantastic. He's a Swiss Army knife. He is. So he's, he's doing a lot of good things. He's also re- registered a career high in points this season already. Uh-huh. So Denver has opened some doors for Trey Lyles that he continues to kind of take advantage of. We'll see where it kind of leads to with him. If there is a future for him to be the power forward of this team alongside Nikola Jokic, he desperately needs to become a better rebounder. Oh, absolutely. But again, it goes in hand in hand with him being 22 years old. So much untapped. Potential. I don't know. He's 6'10, 6'11. He's got the size. He just plays on the perimeter more so he's not going to get as many rebounds yeah. i get that he had one rebound tonight but that's in 24 what it, again, minutes it goes into one new and it, it, one it's going to take time no, I, I, and, and, and i understand that. it's not good it's it, it's awful i mean to be quite frank but it's going to take time also i'm very proud of your cheek working right now your voice has not sounded weird i was gonna really? make fun of you at some point but it has not happened oh, yet <laughs> complete diversion but <laughs> i want to talk about someone else who i believe has been very under herald wilson chandler okay so stick with some good stuff. Yeah. He had five points on seven shots, one of four from three. That's not very fun. I get that. 
He had 10 rebounds tonight, nine defensively, which was huge because that really allowed their defense to become better in that first half when they were playing well. He added six assists tonight as well. His playmaking this year, and Malone has touched on it a couple times, has been significantly more improved. And he, yeah. For me, what that six assists and seven shots tells me, he understands his role on this team. Last year, he was frustrated because he just didn't know what he was supposed to be doing. Absolutely. Am I off the bench? Am I a power forward? Am I a so small lost. forward? Am I going to be a starter? Should I be shooting? Am I just a defender? Like, what am I doing here? He knows that he is a guy that is supposed to continually swing on the ball, make the right decision, and play great defense. And that is exactly what he did tonight because you look at Andrew Wiggins' number where he was matched up most of the night. Andrew Wiggins was 3 of 12 from the field, only had 7 points to his name. He was getting abused by either him or Torrey Craig pretty much the entire night. And Wilson Chandler was a minus three in a game that they lost by eight playing 37 minutes. He was very good, I thought, tonight. And he has been a guy that's talking a lot of flack from fans that I just don't agree with. Like, don't get me wrong. Of course, we would want him to score more points. Who wouldn't want more points? Yeah. That is just absolutely insane to think that we wouldn't want more points. But the fact that he is filling his role exactly the way that I think he should be looking to do so is a huge deal for me. Absolutely, man. I think you hit that on the head perfectly with Wilson Chandler. And I think, you know, this loss is kind of a microcosm of just the Nuggets struggles. They're going to go through stuff like this. You know, it's a product, I said it a little bit earlier in the in the podcast, of having the roster that they do, a mix of seasoned veterans and young up-and-coming players. Losses like this are going to happen, and it's absolutely it's brutal that they happen to come against divisional opponents, and then they're going to have to turn around. But uh, nonetheless, listen. I think you just, this is a bad loss. I, that's what you label it, but I think the important thing is that the Nuggets have to move on quickly, obviously with the back-to-backs now, uh, Portland and Golden State coming up Friday and Saturday. Yep. Uh, let's talk about Mason Plumlee real yeah, quick, too. We haven't too. gotten to that part yet. He was a team-high plus 12 in 29 minutes played of an eight-point loss. That alone should speak of volumes to how good he actually so was. So real quick, I'm actually just scrolling through Instagram, and Kenneth Reed posts a picture of him with no facial expression sitting on the bench with the caption, Sometimes I have to remind myself, life is about ups and downs, end quote. But through it all, you have to keep your faith in Allah and trust he's in a be- he has better plans for me in the future. And I don't want to mispronounce that last word um, for religious purposes. I don't know if you could say that. Inshallah. But, is what it is, but, yeah. um, but um, so anyway, so that's basically kind of telling of he's not happy. Well, I mean, of course not. But Malone is because, I mean, Fareed thinks he's a starter with Palmelis up on the court. Yeah, oh, yeah, so it sure. doesn't matter. He's, but, he thinks he's a starter if LeBron James is in front of him. Yes, but at the same time, you know what? Uh, at least he wants to play. He's frustrated. Of course he should be. He's not playing at all. This should have been a game that he does play tonight, but he has not been a cancer in that locker room in any way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. He has not been detrimental no, to the Nuggets at all. And that's why I wanted to point this out, is that he was laughing with guys tonight in the locker room after the game. This is a guy who is very close with Malik Beasley, is very close with Will Barton, is very close with Gary Harris. They're friends. All of these guys are. Mm-hmm. So I think that he needs to be given credit that he is dealing with the situation that he does not enjoy and he does not agree with, but he has been a absolute upstanding citizen in terms of that Absolutely. locker room I mean, and keeping look, the culture strong. This is a situation that's been boiling over for the past like three years with Fareed. I mean, in terms of like we've known that this is the way that it's going to go. Tip your cap to him. He's been a pro's pro. Cool. Let's get back to Wilson Chandler. Yeah. Or um, Mason Plumley or Wilson Chandler? Either one. Actually, Mason Plumley is who we're talking about. Um, he is the only guy this year, other than LeBron James, to post 13 or more points, 10 or more rebounds, 6 or more assists, and 3 or more steals in 29 minutes or less. Anytime you are the only other person that named in the same sentence as LeBron James, you're doing it right. That's incredible efficiency. He yeah. shot 6 of 10 from the field tonight, which isn't amazing, but 60% is good considering where he was at. 10 rebounds, which was great. He had 7 offensive boards. 
considering Denver only had 72 shots tonight, the fact that he was able to get seven offensive rebounds kept that number from being so much worse than that. You had six assists tonight from him again. Three steals, didn't get a block, but again, that plus 12 and an eight-point loss in 29 minutes is just incredible. His defense, again, was phenomenal. His defense continues to be fantastic, and he... Even beyond that, when you look at the numbers when he was together with Nikola Jokic on the floor, it really tells a lot because they were really, really good. They played 17 minutes tonight. Denver was a plus 19 and overall just raw plus minus when the Plumlee and Jokic took the floor. They had a 140 offensive rating and a 97.6 defensive rating. That's a plus 42.8 net rating. Uh, we were all laughing hysterically before this game because we thought there was no chance that they were going to be productive in an offensive way with these no. two starting together. No, none of us did. But guess what? They, they came out. They ended up going up. I believe it was 18 to 10 together to start, and then they were great in the third quarter to start as well. So I do wonder if there is a potential future for these two to continue starting together if there is no Paul Millsap. Would that surprise you? No, it would for so. me because I, mean, I don't I, think the I, offense functions very I mean, well. I mean, I agree with that, but I think Malone trusts Mason enough and Nicola enough to kind of roll the dice on it. Yeah, I think I agree with that, and I think Malone really wants it to work, so he's going to keep pushing it. So, I, I mean, personally, man, I'm starting Tory Craig and Trey Lyles together with him. Here, this is my kind of final takeaway on that kind of subject: is Tory Craig is deserving of a contract with this team based yes. on his recent play, and I no think doubt. he will eventually get one if he continues this. It's I, hysterical I really that do. four years later, after the Nuggets have been trying to trade for Reed, the reason they might trade him is just to get Tory Craig on yeah, this full, exactly. on this roster so, full time. My takeaways are that Tory Craig is legit and Trey Lyles is legit. You need to figure out a way to better better set them up more so for success. I think you could utilize their strengths a little bit more. I agree with that. I do. And I think and that, that it goes hand in hand with having to, you know, kind of do this on the fly with the injuries. Yes. And Tory Craig tonight, man, he was a pl- he, I mean, he was a positive net rating. He was plus one tonight and he played 37 minutes. He has now played 67 minutes in two games. That's incredible. He has 10 points, three of four from the field, two of three from three, six rebounds, two assists. He did have three turnovers, but one of them was just him being out of control. And one was him barely stepping out of bounds on, on the, in the corner. Yeah. So it wasn't like he's just out here being erratic. That plus one, raw plus minus, in 37 minutes in an eight-point loss when everybody on this, in the starting lineup other than Mason Plumlee was a negative is very telling. He was one of only two players of this Nuggets team to be a positive tonight in a game that the Nuggets should have won. Yeah, exactly. He was great, I thought, again. And, I mean, he got scored on three times consecutively by Jimmy Butler to end this game. Yeah. And people are going to point to that and be like, but look, he wasn't very good. He was with Jimmy him Butler. step by step. And Jimmy Butler, like... He is a perennial MVP candidate. Sometimes you just tip your cap because yes. players are just so good. I mean, I, listen, Toy Craig was the defensive player of the year in the Australian league that he played in. I mean, this mm-hmm. is a guy that is known for his defense. Michael Malone talked about it tonight. tonight. Exactly, and it was. I mean, listen, like I said, sometimes greatness just outdoes hard work, and I think that's really what you saw tonight is Jimmy Butler just being better. Yeah, than Tory Craig. So let's take out the three for three he was at the very end of the game. That makes Jimmy Butler five for twelve from the game, which is not very good. He was one of four from three. He got to the foul line. Don't get me wrong, but overall, he was guarded the majority of the time by Tory Craig, and he really kept him in check considering the damage he could have done. Yes. The other thing about Tory Craig that I thought was incredible tonight. He guarded Andrew Wiggins. He guarded Carl Anthony Towns. He guarded Jeff Teague. He guarded Jimmy Butler. He guarded Jamal Crawford. 
all in different moments throughout the game and not because he was just purposely switched onto him because the offense forced it. They were like pre-switching him onto it. And at one point, Jeff T got hot. Yeah. Malone calls a timeout and puts Tory Craig on yep. him and shut him down entirely. He, so he trusts him, man. It's a testament oh, to where he this trusts team him. is at. That's there why is no I really think yeah. if he continues to play this way, listen, he's going <laughs> to get a contract. He, he, without a doubt, deserves a contract with this team. And he is a guy that is hands down an NBA player. He can hit threes. He's an incredible defender. And I, when I say incredible, I mean incredible by the NBA definition. We're looking at him, not in the elite category of like an Andre Roberson or a Kawhi Leonard or anything like that, but you're putting him in the category right below. Like He looks like in like the early stages of how Paul George defends right mm -hmm. now. That is the way that I see him as a defender. He's strong and stocky and can take DeMarcus Cousins or Carl Anthony Towns in the post and hold him up. Absolutely. Like He can do that. He can stick with a Jeff Teague or a Jamal Crawford on the perimeter he can switch anything he fights through screens relentlessly and I think what he said today at practice to Adam Mares at Denver Stiss was really telling he said the the part about defense that makes you a good defender is not just stymieing guys and this is all paraphrasing yeah, but yeah. not just stymieing guys at the point of attack it's how you defend once they get by you Absolutely. it's the way that you recover and you saw that again on Jimmy Butler tonight because Jimmy Butler got a step on him but that's all yep, he got. Yep. It was one half step. And don't get me wrong, Jimmy Butler converted him because he's Jimmy freaking Butler, yeah. and that's what he does. Oh, yeah. But every single step of the way, Torrey Craig was right there. Mm -hmm. And he is going to be a guy who continually gets better and better and better defending because this is the first time he's ever defended players of this, ca of this caliber. And it wasn't just any players. You're getting Andrew Wiggins. You're getting Carl Anthony Towns. You're getting Jimmy Butler. You're getting Russell Westbrook. You're getting Drew Holiday. You're getting Demarcus Cousins. The people that he's been tasked with defending in his first three starts is just absolutely stupid. Yeah. Like it's insane to think that he was guarding a guy who's an MVP candidate in Andrew or, or in Jimmy Butler, the actual MVP of the league last year, Russell Westbrook. Yep. Demarcus Cousins for like four possessions in the end of the New Orleans Pelicans game, who's a guy who is arguably the most talented center in basketball. And on top of that, Drew Holiday was an all-star as well yeah. it's insane that he's been able to do this and don't get me wrong he's been beaten a couple times and yeah. that, oh, yeah. he's going to get beat a couple times he has done better than anybody else on this Nuggets roster would have been able to defend him outside of Palmel Sapp absolutely listen guys stepping up in critical situations Torrey Craig Trey Lyles Mason Plumlee three reasons the Nuggets are currently penciled in as what the seventh seed in the Western Conference obviously tonight's one twelve one oh four fifth but seventh because yeah, of tiebreakers um, obviously, tonight's 112-104 loss to the uh, to the um, Minnesota Timberwolves was not a good one. Um, but nonetheless, uh, in terms of their core and where they've been trending in the uh, where they've been trending here recently, it's certainly in the right direction. We got one last thing to talk about. Let's do it. Jamal Murray. Oh man, I like forgot about Jamal. Murray. <laughs> How do you forget about uh, thirty yeah, points and seventeen shots? This this Jamal Murray game, man. Holy hell, he was everything for yeah, this he offense. Was. He literally, him and Nikola Jokic carried this team the second yeah, half. Yeah, he, my gosh, he was just all out. I mean, 30 points tonight for Jamal, a guy that just really just continues to grow into his own. And, you know, we've kind of talked about this multiple times. I think more so when Millsap left the lineup, it really helped him as opposed yes. to Jokic. And that's not necessarily a knock to Millsap, it's just his style of play is so much different than what Murray I don't even do. think it's his style of play that allowed that made, that disallowed Jamal Murray from getting comfortable. It's the fact that they have to integrate both Jamal Murray and Paul Millsap into the starting lineup, as well as Wilson Chandler. Yeah, All three exactly. of yeah, them were not starters for this team last year. They weren't playing with this core group of guys last year. I mean, Wilson Chandler was a bench guy who was a six-man-of-the-year candidate. Like it's, it's just a different team entirely. Yeah. So nobody really felt comfortable to start the year, which is what we saw, which makes a lot of sense. 
sense. And it's a very clear picture that when you have three new starters and a brand new free agent acquisition <laughs> in Paul Millsap, you're going to struggle a little bit. Mm-hmm. But the fact that Jamal Murray was able to do, was able to play efficiently tonight while Nikola Jokic was essentially the focal point of the offense was huge for me because Jamal Murray takes 17 shots but gets 30 points. 10 to 17 from the field, 5 of 6 from 3, 4 rebounds, 3 assists, 2 steals. Did a little bit of everything tonight, but he was doing so in the flow of the yeah. offense until the fourth quarter, which is when he was like, we need we need buckets. I'm going to go out and get buckets. That's what I need to do right now. The fact that he was able to know when to flip that switch yeah. was very important to me. Yeah, no, exactly. Listen, I mean, I've hit it. Numerous times in Jamal, you're seeing the progression from year one to year two, and it's increasing as the games go along. I mean, obviously tonight, he didn't, he, he, 30 points, you can't expect this kid to be the X Factor right now. There were some opportunities there, obviously, yes, that he didn't convert, but you're seeing the improvement, like I've said. This is a guy that's going to be a very special guy for this team down the line. I mean, his pull-up jump shot is really improving. Yeah, and I'm a guy who has not 100% been on the Jamal Murray as a star player, potentially trained, but he's showing me more and more Tonight, and more. there was a few instances I was like, all right, all right, kid. Like this is you do your freakish. Thing. Like he had that Steph Curry ass shot where in it was the the right wing in the yep. fourth quarter, and he took a few dribbles, tried to get the guy loose, couldn't quite get him, and just pulled the hell up out of yep. nowhere. It was like when someone randomly like brake checks you in a car, and the seatbelt makes you look like a crazy person, or you headbutt the, yep. the the actual dash in front of you. He just pulled up on a dime, <laughs> and there was another play where Nikola Jokic tried to hit a cutting Tory Craig. He wasn't available, so he kind of just dropped the pass off behind him, and Jamal Murray at a Full dead sprint, jump stopped to two feet on a dime and just pulled up and hit the three in, in one motion. Yeah. And I was like, there's like five people in the NBA who can do that. Yeah, exactly. And that is the caliber of player that Jamal Murray can be. Yep. He needs to learn how to do it consistently and to how to how to continue to mesh himself with Nikola Jokic, especially when Paul Millsap gets back. Absolutely. But all the signs are there all of a sudden for him to be a knockdown, lights out shooter, be a guy who is just fantastic as an offensive talent. But... He was really bad defensively tonight. He was really, really bad defensively tonight. Yeah, he was. I mean, there's no other way to slice it. Listen, he just wasn't good. Jamal Crawford tore him to pieces. He scorched him tonight. On top of that, even Tyus Jones had a couple plays because he had four assists, zero turnovers. The reason why is because he was putting Jamal Murray into the spin cycle and just leaving him with nothing. And then whenever he would get matched up with Jeff Teague, Jeff Teague took him to town as well. That was a big reason why Jeff Teague got hot in that third or fourth quarter was because Jamal Murray was guarding him and just couldn't keep up. Jamal Murray plays very hard defensively, yes. but he has a ways to go to be a good defender. Yeah, absolutely. There's a difference. There They're is a difference. difference. And don't get me wrong. I would say 60 to 70% of the battle is just the ability to put yourself out there and defend it with an insane amount of effort. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that will pay dividends you know, later on down the line. But as of right now, he just is not a plus defender anywhere near it. And you saw that tonight. Yeah, I agree with you, man. I think you hit it on the head. Listen, I, I've said it like five times. It's also the progression in terms of balancing this roster, like you're gonna have to come to expect this kind of stuff. We forget that, like I can't remember who it was. Someone put out a graph, or it was essentially weighting by how much a player has played minutes wise, and and kind of compared how young these teams were to each other. So like Malik Beasley has less of a rating than Jamal Murray does because he plays less, even though they're the exact same age. But the Nuggets are the fifth youngest team in basketball by that metric. And yeah. the fact that they're a, a tied for the fifth in the Western Conference as of right now, seventh because of tiebreakers with that young of a roster with all the injuries they have sustained is a very, very good sign going forward because you can see how much development Absolutely. is still left within these guys. For sure. Listen, it's a, there's the bottom line is they're trending in the right direction. They're 16 and 15 on the year. Obviously, one game above 500. They lose tonight 112-104 to the Minnesota Timberwolves. But 
Obviously a game that they would have liked to get when they did not, but uh, certainly some positivity to take away from this game, but nonetheless, a Nuggets team that is trending in the right direction is my biggest takeaway from all this. You got anything else? That's really all I got. I think we covered everything, right? All the players taken care of. Nuggets <laughs> on a back-to-back -back <laughs> yeah. Friday and Saturday. We're going to pod tomorrow so we can break those down. Yeah, we'll definitely be talking about those again coming up. Uh, they play Portland coming up, which will be the third team in a row in their division that they are playing. They are now currently 0-2 in the past two yeah. games against their division so opponents. not good. But they are pushing ahead. The Nuggets are still getting healthier. Hopefully Gary Harris comes back. Gary Harris was out tonight with right elbow soreness. Um, apparently he was airballing a couple shots early in pregame mm -hmm. warm-ups and this wasn't looking very comfortable. So he got a night off. Emmanuel Moutier also had a night off with that right ankle sprain. I believe it was his right ankle. I can't remember. Yeah, An ankle sprain of some variety. Not high ankle sprain, but left or right ankle. Can't remember which one it was. So he did not play tonight. Wancho still getting back to full health. Monte Morris is up with the team, as is Tory Craig. So it'll be interesting to see how the Nuggets end up playing against Portland. Damian Lillard left the game tonight with some kind of hamstring injury. We have not gotten an update yet on him, on where he is at at this juncture of the night. But there will be updates on one of our Twitter feeds coming up in the very near future. But just one last thing before we get out of here if anybody wants to advertise with this podcast make sure that you reach out to me at tmcbride3793 at gmail.com what's your email again Anilo? email me at anilovpiro at gmail.com a-n-i-e-l-l-o-v-p-i-r-o at gmail.com if that's too hard to spell tmcbride3793 at mine I know Anilo's name is not the easiest in the world also at twitter uh, you guys can follow me on the twitter at apiro sports you guys can follow tj at tjmcbridemba this is the digital age, so we understand that people don't want to use email anymore. Any way that you want to call I Dude, I can't. Look, it's the you, digital you, age, so if you, you don't I, want to use email. But like, you know what I'm saying? It's, like, it's like two dinosaurs. Like, it's, I get it. Just I get it. It's like, don't use a fax machine anymore. We'll exactly. pass that kind Even of thing. it's technically digital, but it's dated. Digital. That's ridiculous. That's stupid. But this is the Never Nuggets Daily Podcast. Make sure you subscribe in iTunes or Stitcher or whatever podcast app you use to listen to us on the airwaves. Definitely make sure you rate you subscribe you comment give us some feedback i don't care where you give us feedback this Absolutely. is a brand new podcast where we're trying to get better every single time we have a lot of really cool guests that are lined up that will be eventually on this show coming up as well so stay tuned for different nuggets executives different players all different kinds of cool stuff different writers from all around the interwebs but from me tj mcbride that is all i got to say and Neil apiro signing off as well we'll talk to you guys later adios